0: I think the bottom line is that for whatever reason, um, it could be biological or it could be psychological, it really doesn't matter, Um, my fetish was fixed very, very, very early in life. Um, And that's the detail that matters. It doesn't matter whether I, you know, was quote unquote born with a fetish, but the fact is it existed from my earliest memories. Right,
1: And that's why... You have these
0: memories of, of your mother spanking you that
1: still stick with you in such a way.
0: When you were spanked as a child, something sexual was not happening to right. you. But when I was spanked as a child, something sexual was happening to me. ¶¶
1: That's Jillian Keenan, a writer and a spanking fetishist. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with The Listening Booth. Jillian's memoir, Sex with Shakespeare, came across my desk last year. And what I wondered, of course, was how loneliness tiptoes around or maybe even marches straight through Jillian's story. For one, there are a finite number of people with whom anyone with a particular fetish can connect about it, and that's once they discover that those people exist. For a while, the person with the paraphilia, which is the technical term for an abnormal sexual desire, feels unusual, maybe even gross, but certainly alone. There's an extra layer to Jillian's story. Like around 60% of American minors, she was disciplined as a child by the occasional spanking. For someone who believes her fetish is innate, though, as Jillian does, this means that every time she was spanked, an unwanted sex act was being performed, or committed, or I don't really know how to put that. Essentially, her mother was punishing her in a way that felt much more than it quote unquote should have.
0: I've also experienced other kinds of of sexual violation in my life, um, both in childhood and in adulthood. But those were more normative, culturally recognized forms of sexual violation, um, which is to say I was vaginally violated Uh, and while that's absolutely not okay and still a crime uh, and still something that shouldn't happen to anyone I wasn't traumatized by those memories because while they felt like violations they didn't feel like sexual violations because that's just not my sexual identity.
1: Any kind of sexual violation is horrible, of course, but there's an acute kind of loneliness to feeling sexually violated with no sanctioning from society and with no sanctioning from your own family. Jillian's is a story of
0: unacknowledged trauma. You know, I I feel a little... I I feel a little tension even talking about Mm. um, this right now because I I know, or at least I fear, that um, someone listening to this podcast is rolling their eyes right now and so annoyed and, and thinking, oh, who is this girl to complain about childhood spankings when there's real trauma in the world, when there's war and there's, um, you know, murder and, and rape. Um, so I, I feel some defensiveness, um, even sitting in this booth with you. Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm imagining, um, these, you know, horrible things that, um, you know, people could say, and I'm I'm glad that I'm talking about this because even though I, I feel some fear and defensiveness as I have this conversation, I, I know that there are many people who share my experience and are afraid to talk about it because um, society doesn't give us a platform to be upset by childhood spankings. Society overwhelmingly sends us the message that we're supposed to be fine with it. Right. Um, and so every time I talk about this, I do get emails from people who say things like, thank God someone finally said it. You just saved my life. So that's why I do need to keep talking about this.
1: So, here's how it all started for Jillian, an only child raised by a single
0: mother. I was sexually fixated on spankings from my earliest memories. Um, I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't understand why I thought about spankings all the time. But I remember even as a four or five-year-old, when I played House with Friends, um, you know, the normal childhood game, I would manipulate the scenario so that whoever was the quote-unquote mom or quote-unquote dad ended up chasing the rest of us around the playhouse with a belt yelling that we needed to be punished, which is a weird way to play house as a kid. I recognize this is a socially non-normative behavior, but I, even at age five, found these games so incredibly satisfying. Mm. So um, I certainly had this emerging sexual identity.
1: So when did you really start putting the pieces together that spanking is for you a sex act?
0: Right. um, Not until I was well into my teens. Um, I don't think there's any way for me to have put that together earlier. I knew that, you know, little kids explore their emerging sexual identities, so definitely... In childhood, there were moments when I explored my body in the bathtub or with the jets at the side of a swimming pool or a jacuzzi, Um, essentially learned to masturbate. Mm -hmm. Um, And always, 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 in those moments, I was thinking about spankings. But that's what made the presence of non-consensual spankings as a punitive act in my life so problematic. Um, I was... Being non consensually, uh, or some, something that was very sexual to me was being non consensually inflicted on me and in a punitive context. And that can certainly scramble a kid's brain a little bit. Right. Um, even after I outed myself as a spanking fetishist, I continued to insist for a little while that I had never been spanked as a child because uh, I couldn't engage with this memory yet mm. or other memories of childhood spankings.
1: Eventually, the memories returned.
0: There's definitely one that sticks with me the most. I was about 10 years old and going to visit a new school. Uh, They only had a few spaces for out-of-district students, so I had to meet the principal or someone um, and do an interview to try to see if I could charm my way into one of those spots. I mean, I don't really remember much about that day before what happened next, of course, which I remember vividly. But I remember after the interview ended, my mom was just furious, absolutely furious. And we were heading back to the car and she was sort of dragging me through the parking lot and just screaming. She thought I had been very rude during the interview. Um, And so we got to the car and she told me to lie face down in the back seat and she got her hairbrush out of her purse. At this point, I was crying and terrified, of course, you know trying to negotiate or plead or apologize or beg my way out of this. Once I realized this was going to happen, I, I tried to propose a compromise. Because uh, at age 10, I was old enough to kind of be familiar with this concept. So I remember crying um, and saying, not with the brush. Because I was thinking maybe I could get her to spank me with her hand instead, and that would be kind of a compromise. Uh, but she said, no, get on your stomach. So I lay down on my stomach in the backseat of the car, and my mom spanked me. After that, um, we started driving home, and I remember my mom was in the front seat, and I was still in the back seat, you know, pouting and sulking and plotting revenge, uh, or whatever my reaction was. So I thought to myself, well, it's okay, at least it's over now. And then I remember just after I thought that to myself, my mom announced from the front seat, I'm going to do it again when we get home.
1: It took Jillian years to make sense of why scenes like that are seared into her memory. As if her body wanted to prove Jillian's sexual identity to her, some years after those childhood episodes, symptoms of psychological trauma appeared in the form of flashbacks and physical discomfort following them.
0: college, I was driving on the 101 in uh, the Bay Area. And I just started crying, but not normal crying, like violent choking sobs, the kind of crying that made me pull over onto the shoulder of the freeway because I didn't want to crash my car. And I was just sitting on the shoulder, just totally immobilized with tears and um, eventually a fist of nausea just punched up through my stomach and I opened the car door and spilled out onto the asphalt and threw up.
1: So you don't have those anymore. You have really put the pieces together here. You're in a marriage with a man who doesn't share your fetish but understands it. Mm-hmm. And what about... Your mom, you know, getting back to this kind of, this first family member. Yeah. um, Did you
0: explain all this to her once you figured it out? You know, I did, at various points in my life, I did try to talk to her about this. You know, I feel certainly a lot of conflicting emotions here. Mm -hmm. And one of them is absolutely guilt. Because I do recognize that she, first of all, it's incredibly difficult to be a single mother. And she was just responding to the cultural cues that she had been given. Mm-hmm. Certainly she did not intend to do something to me that felt like a sexual violation. So I feel, I do feel compassion for her and, and sympathy, um, and guilt, but she, um, isn't open to this conversation. She, um, you know, I. I at various points when we tried to talk about this, she would go back and forth. Like, she first would say, I'm sorry that you felt that way, but then the conversation would quickly morph and she would start yelling at me about how I deserved it. Um, so we just sort of went in circles that way mm-hmm. and and um, we didn't seem to be getting anywhere. Right. Um, and, and this is before this you is be- had the idea for the book. This is when this is you, as, as
1: Jillian, you know, a young woman, were just trying to come to your mother to explain what you'd figured out well, I think or were that, working on figuring out.
0: Oh yeah. I was in the process of figuring it out. We would have you know huge fights sometimes. There were things that would set me off. Um, if she touched me in certain ways, it would really set me off. I would have these, you know, violent, angry, rage-filled reactions. Mm -hmm. There's a moment I talk about in the book when I was walking in a mall with my mom and she patted my bottom very lightly. Right. um, Which just felt so horrifying and I was so enraged. Um, Because for you, that's such a sexual part of your body. Yes, but also... um, it's, It's a sexual part of my body, but also a sexual act, um, but also it reminded me of the times when she had hit my bottom in a non-gentle way, mm-hmm. and I just was so enraged, and it seemed like a totally insane reaction to her, understandably. So yeah, there were times when I tried to explain that, um, you know, why I had so much anger, uh, but I hadn't entirely figured it out myself.
1: Yeah. And so, do you hope to? I mean, I know you told me before we got in this booth that you haven't spoken in about five years?
0: We or... have a few times, um, briefly, for you know, various reasons. But I do suspect that writing this book was kind of the ultimate. Act of betrayal, mm. um, as as far as she is concerned. I mean, I can't say for sure. I haven't talked to her since the book came out. Mm. Um, but I I am under the impression that um, that writing this book um, is something unforgivable. Despite the guilt that I do feel about you know how this book may have hurt my mother, um, I do strongly believe that the conversation I'm trying to start is more important than her comfort or mine.
1: Mm. Are you looking for a certain kind of end result?
0: Well, as I said, yeah. I would love to see um, the United States move in a direction, as many, many, many other countries have already done, uh, Some, in some cases for decades already. Um, I would love to see a version of the United States where it is illegal to assault every demographic. I was at a party recently, and I was... Um, talking to someone and, and this the topic of spanking came up, as it always does with me. And um, <laughs> I said, well, there's still one demographic that it's legal to assault. And he said, no, it's, it's not legal to assault anyone. And people always have this reaction because we don't even think of it as assault. Um, we just... Spanking children is so banal in this country, it's so commonplace that we don't even really think about what we're actually doing. But um, if I took you over my knee right now and spanked you here in this booth, I would be assaulting you. Right, right. Um, And I don't see why if you were five years old, that would be any different.
1: Whether or not you agree with Jillian that the spanking of minors at home should be eradicated from this country, her story will certainly make you think twice the next time you raise your hand to an unruly child's backside. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine. But that comes after waiting through years of pain and confusion.
0: By the time I entered adolescence and became aware of things like the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and became aware of sort of pop psychology's approach to fetishism, uh, the idea that uh, kink is caused by childhood trauma, I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, Mm. but it felt like my own life contradicted that. And so finally, um, after sort of pulling at the thread for years and decades even, it sounds banal now, but it was the biggest revelation of my life, it occurred to me that maybe trauma does not cause kink, but rather kink can cause trauma. That is, if a child's innate sexuality is non-consensually used against them, Trauma is a natural response. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me now that I was traumatized by my own spankings and you weren't because we have different sexual orientations. And once I realized that, it was like coming up for air for the first time in in decades. Suddenly, I didn't have to worry about my identity or my sexuality. I was fine. I was healthy. I had a healthy and natural response to something that I experienced as sexual happening to me in childhood. Um, Trauma is a reasonable response. And so I didn't have to feel conflict about um, what had happened to me in the same way. It was... um, it was truly amazing, and I haven't had a Nightmare or a Flashback since.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Do you have strong thoughts about this episode? Questions for Jillian? You can email me at lonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Lonelypodcast or on The Lonely Hour's Facebook page. Sign up for our newsletter at thelonelyhour.com, and you'll be the first to know when the next episode drops. Here's a little taste. I think it would be called, this is the memoir of a lying, cheating, wretched, bitch horror of a woman who annihilated the universe as we knew it. So why do that to yourself? Tell me, <laughs> to, 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 tell, explain. Well, five years ago... After 23 years with my husband and in the middle of raising three children, I fell in love with a man who was a good friend of ours, a very close friend of my husband's, and the husband of my close friend. It was a spectacular betrayal. That episode will go live on November 23rd. Until then, I want to know, what does loneliness mean to you? Let's explore that together. Leave me a voicemail at 415 663 5901. That's 41 lonely 01. You can also record your thoughts as a voice memo and email me the MP3 file at lonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Just make sure to include your name and an email address so I can get back to you because we may use what you said in a future episode. Until then, enjoy yourself.